Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 123 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen. After a very, very snowy weekend, almost everywhere in America, it was pretty snowy here in the western U.S. and I think D.C., New York, Virginia, New England just got completely pummeled, completely buried. I mean, here we just get the snow plows out and deal with it. There it's on the news. Did I offend everybody? <laughs> well, the East Coast, yeah. That's what some people are saying that moved from the West Coast, saying, yeah, well, it's not that big of a deal. They just plowed, but I don't know. Maybe they don't get enough snow, enough experience in the snow, or maybe it's just the media blowing things out of proportion. And you know how it is with the snowstorms. It's like, oh, careful, hunker down. Next day, a half inch. And then the next day, oh, no big deal, and it's 20. You just don't know. Yeah, we don't get a lot of cars parking on the street here and, you know, in Manhattan and New York and the city that so the plow goes down the street and nobody can move their car. I mean they're <laughs> all they're all plowed in. So that that's hard. I mean you get that wet, icy, thick snow up two, three feet. I mean shoveling that, that's work. That well, is that's work. funny. Because I've lived out east is when first of all, finding your car, because they all look the same because they're covered with snow. You can't even yeah. tell what your car is. But the thing that I had to learn is that when you dig out your car, you bring out chairs from your kitchen and put them in your spot <laughs> and save your spot. And if someone takes your spots, that's fighting. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't do that. The neighbors know where you're spotting. If you've dug it out, that's still your spot. And if someone tries to take it, man, look out. Yeah, the cops would probably show up and say, well, did you take his spot? Yes. <laughs> did yeah. you put your kitchen chair there? <laughs> yeah. Go limping off with your broken nose and your you cracked femur. It. You deserved it. Yeah, that's it was definitely a new experience for me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's hardcore. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> you dug yourself out and put your kitchen chair there, your lazy boy, or whatever it is. You still own it. Your lazy boy. Wow. Wow. I can only imagine. How was your weekend, Kurt? Uh, it was good. It was a good weekend. I got a lot done. It was good to be home for the weekend, so that was nice. And feeling good. Feeling good. We still got the January blues. It'd be nice when February kicks in, although I don't know how much better February is than January. March, you know, it's kind of, all right, we're getting a little better. It's warming up. You know how I how I dealt with the blues? I'm pretty good to go. I mean, it is sunny outside today. Well, it's kind of getting cloudy out there, but this is how I dealt with it. Yesterday, my wife and I, we had just had enough. We're just tired of the January blues and the cold. And, you know, we've got four young kids, and you're locked inside with your kids, and they, ours are just little terrorists. So we just booked a trip to Cabo. We're just going to go to Cabo, and that's how we deal with it. That does do it. So that's going to happen, right? Yeah, that's happening. First part of March, we're going to cruise down to Cabo and get fat and eat some good food and be lazy in the sun and kill those blues. Ooh, I like Cabo. That's a good place to go. That's a good place to go. Sun. Well, that does cure things. So you've got three things going you. Sun, sand, fatty foods. What else do you need? I don't think you need anything else. I think that's we're right. squared away. And Cabo's easy to get to from here. You don't change time zones. It's just quick and easy. So... We're pretty pumped. That sounds so pretentious. In fact, my wife, she has this friend who one time, the friend is kind of, well, she's just her. She's just naive. She's a sweetheart. Doesn't mean it. And my wife was inventing to her one day, oh, the kids are driving me nuts. And I'm not kidding you. She said, well, you ought to just go to Maui. 
every time I go to Maui, I just feel better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Let's go, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to do with four kids either taking them or finding someone to take care of them and everything else and the worry and all that fun stuff. But yeah, you know, thank you yeah. for the advice. Yeah, that's that, getting those kids farmed out. That's an act of Congress. That's I know. That's, I've been there. Know that one. <laughs> yeah. Your kids are older. A different set of problems. Different set of problems. This is true. But old enough to say, hey, the older ones are getting old enough to where I can say, all right, you're watching them for the weekend. Yeah. So that is good. Very good. How about them Broncos? Yeah, surprising. Everyone was rooting for the Patriots. They had every chance, and I thought they were going to blow it. But, hey, Manning's a good guy. Give him another chance, right? That's what I was thinking. I Give would like to see him win, next, or win the Super Bowl and retire on a high note. Yeah, I think it's the connectivity thing. Here's a guy that's been in the league. He's good. He didn't badmouth the Colts or anything else. He's just a good guy, and I think a lot of people are rooting for him just because of that. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of laws of connecting and how you handle yourself in the media and He's just well-liked. Is he the best quarterback? I don't know. I mean, has he been? He's got a great record, but from likability, he's going to be able to do that. Well, you know, although Cam, he's a likable guy, too, so I have two very likable quarterbacks in there compared to Brady. Either like him or you hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no nothing in the middle there. It'll be interesting how they pull that together and they use their charm to woo the media and the fans. Brady never gets any sympathy uh, at all. Right, nobody, nobody gives him any any slack. <laughs> None at all. A because of history in the past, allegations of cheating. <laughs> yeah, and he's really, really good, and he's never the underdog. <laughs> That's nope. part of it too. Nope. Well, that was a fun game to watch, and the one after it not so fun. So, we'll we'll have some Super Bowl feedback, and definitely some Super Bowl food commentary mm-hmm. coming your way. That's probably one of the main reasons that you tune into the show. Uh, the other reason being. We like to talk about persuasion and influence periodically. When we're not talking about food or offending people, we'll throw some of that in too. So that's what we're going to do here today. like to remind everybody listening, make sure you like us on Facebook, Maximize Your Influence. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax. That's our Twitter handle. Best way to listen to the show is to tune in through the iTunes store or whatever podcast aggregator app you happen to use. We're on TuneIn and Stitcher and Windows Marketplace and all those. Or you can go old school and log into MaximizeYourInfluence.com and see the blog entries and, and listen to the show there. So that's the housekeeping items out of the way. Is there a mix? Is there a word that has mockery and sympathy together? Sockery? Yeah, we're throwing a little sockery at New York today. <laughs> they got the snow. We'll be talking a little bit about New York today because Kurt has an interesting stat about uh, the lottery and sports and New Yorkers. I find the, the psychology of this interesting. What did you find, Kurt, in the <laughs> Journal of Southern European Utility Company Association Management? Well, that, you know, that's close there. I like it because the study came from the University College of London. So shout out to our people in London and from NYU. And it's really interesting. And we've talked about association triggers before. They focused on New York City, and they found that New York City sells more lottery tickets when the sports teams win. (laughs) So they found when there's positive events, like a sports win or a really nice sunny day, people feel more willing to gamble. They feel feel like they're going to win a little bit more. And they did this over two years. And they've done other research, too, and we've talked about this before on the show, that good mood matters. When you're trying to influence people, Mood matters. And then when people are in a better mood, they take riskier bets. They place bigger bets. 
And when they again have the good mood or the sun's out or sports, their sports team is won, they have a bigger feeling that a positive outcome is going to happen. And there is a direct link. They did study after study to take a look at it. And even on a day when multiple sports teams unexpectedly win, they found in the lottery, and this is in New York City, that people spent approximately $160,000 more that day than on an average day. And so there is a direct correlation between sunshine, between mood, between your sports teams winning, where people feel more optimistic. They feel like there's a better chance for them to win. And so we've talked about bits and pieces about that before on the show, but those are association triggers. Those are feelings. You have to take account for those when you are trying to influence. So if their sport teams lost this weekend, I would wait a few days before you try to persuade and influence them. <laughs> yeah, you're going to do really well if you're the salesperson in Phoenix. This week. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. You might <laughs> yeah. want to wait a few days. You might want to just change your flight to Denver and do your sales there this month. Yeah, yeah. Sounds... Well, the next couple of weeks, we don't know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Last time, it didn't turn out too well for Denver. Yeah. From, from the opening snap. Okay, well, that's good stuff. So people are more optimistic. They're going to conquer the world if uh, if the Yankees win or whatever their sports team is. Exactly. So mood, sports team, feeling more optimistic, sunshine. We've talked about that and how that affects influence and mood. All those things come together to really make people more optimistic and willing to invest in the lottery. Sounds totally ridiculous, but makes complete sense. There we go. That's the theme of our show right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maximize your influence. Totally ridiculous, but makes complete sense. Exactly. That's our t- a new tagline. I like it. Yeah. yeah it's a, I think that's a, a good way to sum up the show. If it, <laughs> Listeners, if anyone asks, what is that podcast? Oh, it's totally ridiculous, but it makes complete sense. You ought to tune in. Or we can just do the Seinfeld route, the podcast about nothing. Yes, the podcast about nothing. <laughs> I actually went and saw him. I heard that was really good. We all know Jerry doesn't need the money. Yeah, I he's think, just having fun. Yeah, I think he was testing some new material. It's all about the syndication. He's liking that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to make money if you can <laughs> you know, just do what he did. Well, all right, that's good, Kurt. So we've been talking for the last couple of episodes about the law of dissonance. We did an introduction back on episode 121. Last week, we talked about the methods that we use to get back to mental consistency. So you're a prospect, you have these beliefs, values, and attitudes about your life. A salesperson says something, it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you have to get back to mental consistency. Now, the reason they did that, the reason they caused that pain or that internal pressure is because they wanted you to do something. And that's how all decisions, that's how any action taken is done. It's through dissonance. So we've kind of gone really deep on the decision-making process. So what were those methods that somebody could get back to mental consistency on last week's show? We talked about how there are six of them. One of them is beneficial for, to you as a persuader. Kurt used the example of somebody going to the doctor. The doctor tells them to eat healthier. An example of modifying your dissonance is to say, you know what? My belief is, is that I want to and that I can be healthy. The doctor has shown me evidence that I am not I am going to change, and I'm going to get back to mental consistency. And that's what you are counting on as a persuader. However, it's not that easy, right? There are a variety of other methods, for example, denial, where you demean the source or insult the source of the dissonance, and you say, oh, that doctor, he's real chubby. What does he know, right? And you you try to get back to mental consistency that way. Use these cheap, uh, quick fixes. So we wanted you to understand what's happening mentally in the 
the psychological process of your prospects when they're giving you these objections or these roadblocks that you typically hit. I challenge all of you listeners to sit down and think about that. Say, how are prospects searching around the dissonance or how are they rationalizing it away? And you craft your presentation to make it so that it's harder for them to do those things and easier for them to modify the dissonance. And one of the best ways to do that, we've discussed a couple of times on the show before, but we want to get into more detail, is the word yes, brought up briefly last week, and the foot in the door technique, also brought up briefly last week, but we didn't get into the specific methodology of it, which we're going to do today. You say things now, Kurt. <laughs> oh, you want me to say things now? Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to start you? pulling your weight around here. Well, that was quite the uh, segue. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dissonance, again, it's a little deeper than some of the other laws of persuasion. And let's kind of review those six areas and then talk a little bit more about foot in the door and ways to apply it. It's all about the application. But when you can really understand this as a persuader, as an influencer, as a salesperson, this will really open your mind when you get those strange knee-jerk reactions, where you get those no's out of the blue, where they don't call you back. Something's happened along the way to where it was a perfect fit. They needed it. They wanted it. They liked it. They could afford it, and all of a sudden, they're not talking to you anymore. Something happened there, and it usually involves dissonance. And so, remember, the human brain needs to be right. You prove them wrong, that stretches a rubber band. They can't live with that. And just a kind of example, I think we all know people, and we're not going to name names here because we've already offended enough people today, that are always late. They're late to everything, and if you tell them they're late, it doesn't go very well because in their mind, they're not late. And so let's go over those six areas again with someone who's always late. Now, remember, the first one was the denial, where you attack the person or demean the source. You're late, and they come after you. Why are you always writing me? You're the one that's always late. Remember the time? You're such a mean person. You're like, whoa, whoa, what just happened there? You just stretched and snapped their rubber band. Then there was the reframe. And remember, reframe is where you reinterpret or change the meaning. You say, you're late. And they're like, no, no, you just, it's now socially acceptable to be 10 minutes late. You're like, what? And yeah, they just reinterpreted the whole thing. Then there's a search. Well, President Clinton was late to everything, and he was the president, and he was successful, and so search is the validation. Then there's the separation. That's when you compartmentalize. No, that's for work things, not family things, where they compartmentalize where it's okay here but not there. Then there's the rationalization. You're late. This is where we tend to justify, and we're really good at this one. Oh, the traffic, and there was an accident, and there was construction, and it was, of course, not their fault. And the one thing you're looking for as a persuader is the modify. That's where the change. You're late. I know. I need to work on it. Can you help me out? That's when the door's open for influence. And so you, when you see that happening, you have to back up and deal with that as a persuader because if you don't, that knee-jerk reaction, that snap rubber band, Strange things happen, and they detour from the road of persuasion. Okay, so I was telling the listeners that a shortcut to get them to modify their dissonance and to, to want to make that change, it just is a lot easier if you use the foot-in-the-door technique. You break this up into little commitments that they're going to do along the way. So what is the best way to do that? What's the best formula to use the foot in the door technique? Well, the foot in the door, as you know, is where you're getting the small yeses. Just to kind of review is if you're getting any resistance, it's because what you're asking is too big. And we talked about breaking down to smaller yeses. And that's where we use the foot in the door, where we get into these smaller requests. And the more yeses you get, the easier it is to get. 
And it's interesting, just a quick study before we get into application, is the American Cancer Society, who had a 700% increase in volunteers going door-to-door to ask for donations. This is pretty interesting. I don't know if I recommend this type of approach. It's kind of underhanded, but it's really interesting. So they call people up during dinner time. Hey, we're doing a survey. I'll do a survey, right? And there's question, question. One of the questions embedded in the middle was, if the American Cancer Society ever called, because this was just an anonymous person doing a survey, if the American Cancer Society ever called and they asked you, would you go door to door and ask your neighbors for donations and survey? Want to look good? Sure, I probably would. Well, fast forward two weeks later, the American Cancer Society is calling. Hey, now your conscious mind's forgotten about this conversation, but your subconscious hasn't. Hey, would you go door to door? Would you help us out? Would you do this for us? And you feel like it's right because of your subconscious. 700% increase using the foot in the door because that got that previous yes. And so your nice goal setup. was these, it wasn't that, that amazing. Again, I'm like, well, is that ethical? I guess. Anyway, it's, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. The 700% increase. We talked about last week that good foot in the door technique will double your yeses. So a couple things to help out here. First thing is, is use these small commitments. Small commitments lead to larger commitments. Even if you lose money on the first order, you've got that initial yes. You've got them doing something. Even if you're going to try it out for a month, let's do it for two weeks. Let's try it for 10 minutes. Whatever it is, these little small commitments make it easier to large for larger commitments. Even in companies, talking about new policies and changes, that's huge. That's big. That's permanent. Well, let's try it for two weeks. Let's try it for months. Let's see how it works. It's much easier to influence people than this big, huge, major lifetime change. So that's the first one. The second one, understand that written commitments are always more powerful than verbal commitments. Get them to write it down. Even if it's on a napkin. Even if it's just a, a mock agreement. Well, this is what we're doing, and we'll both go ahead and autograph it. This is where we're going. Even if it's not a beautiful thing, anything that's written down increases it. They've done studies with that with college students where they show them these lines and they have them estimate which one's longer. And when it's just in their brain and they realize they made the wrong choice, it's much easier to change versus that they've written it down. And the third one, make it public as possible. Public commitments are stronger than private commitments. Let everyone know in the restaurant or in the workplace, wherever you're at, that you've reached an agreement, that you're going to do business together, that things are going to help out. And that's what we do with weight loss centers. That's the first thing we do is when you've committed to lose weight and become healthier, call your 10 friends. You've got to let them know your goals and what you're going to do. And that makes that commitment stronger. And that makes a powerful thing for using the foot in the door technique. So this is used in advanced marketing. It's used in the early phases of a persuasive conversation to get people to commit to the overall idea is probably the best place to start with this. Exactly. Just to get things going, get things started, influence on small things. Getting that initial yes goes a long way. It might be where to meet. It might be, do you want to use pen or pencil? It might be the time. I think you mentioned one on a podcast once. If someone asked for a meeting at 1230, what you do, maybe you want to explain that. That's part of the foot in the door because you're persuading them a little bit at a time to accept what you're doing. I, I do this a lot of the time, uh, even if I'm available. You, know, you want to meet at 12? I, and I'm never available at 12. <laughs> they could say any time of the day, and wouldn't you know, I'm not available. It's because I have to condition clients into knowing that I'm not an unpaid consultant. I've got other stuff going on. I've got lots of clients. And so I'll tell them, well, I can't quite make it then. What about 1230? I know they're going to take it. But yeah, I maintain control, and I get a small commitment out of them right out of the chute. Yeah, and you've just persuaded them on a small thing. They don't feel like you've persuaded them because they feel it's their decision. But those little small things, those little things that you're doing – 
starts to influence them. You know, where to meet, what restaurant yeah. to go to. Any of those things can uh, condition them that you are there to influence them. It can't be blatantly obvious. You, know, you would agree with me that the sky is blue, correct? You know, it's not yeah. <laughs> silly, ridiculous things. And I, I'm being sarcastic there to a degree, but I have seen really, really cheesy open liners for foot-in-the-door technique before where you go, okay, I know what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? It's a very scripted, it's a rookie salesperson where we know what's going to happen here. They're reading right off of the computer screen. This has to be, it has to have the feel of a consultative approach, has to have the feel like you're the doctor. And let me offend some people here, and I play with this because this is what I study for my life is, when someone comes up and says, do you love your children? I said, no, not really. I'm trying to get rid of them. Can you help me? <laughs> no, yeah. I'm playing. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. But some people you have take to be very clear that. about that on, in this day right. and age. But it totally throws them off. If they didn't get their first yes and they don't know what to do, it's a lot of fun. Try it at home. <laughs> yeah, try it at home. <laughs> One thing that I've noticed, maybe I'm wasting a perfectly good homer here, but I'm always fascinated with door-to-door salesmen, mm. right? I, I just really think it takes a pair <laughs> to be a door-to-door salesman. <laughs> it, does. it really does. I offended everybody with that one, or, or not. But one thing I've noticed that they're doing lately, and somebody's out there teaching this. Have you ever gone to the door, and you open it, and there's a guy standing clear down on your sidewalk looking at you? And it's like, oh, I'm from such and such company. You mind if I come up? Right? He's trying to be way back there. I'm not threatening. I want your permission to come to your door. Even though he went up there, and he knocked it, and then he ran back down. Right. (laughs) So they're trying to get you to say, oh, yes, come closer. Come talk to me. Super cheesy opening foot in the door technique. You need to go. Can you back up three more steps? Okay, thank you. Now, what is it you wanted? (laughs) I like to shout from about 40 feet away. So I need you to take it back five steps. Just back up. Okay, you're in the middle of the road. Now, what did you want? Yeah, it's pretty tacky. Pretty (laughs) tacky. Anything else on foot in the door, Kurt? Yeah. Your goal, of course, when you use this the right way is to find what their belief is. Get a commitment, get that yes, and create a little distance. It might be, well, you want to retire at 55. Well, yeah. Well, on your current track, is that what's going to happen? Would stretch the rubber band and you would provide a solution. But just think about how to get the commitment, how to stretch the rubber band a little bit strategically. And then, of course, you're not doing that for fun. You're offering a solution. Your goal is the yeses. And it's amazing what the research shows with saying yes, getting yes. Even the movement of your head up and down increases the chances that you're going to influence them. Even if you watch the commercials where they're singing the song and the words are at the bottom of the screen, the bouncing ball goes up and down, up and down, it makes it more influential. Or my favorite one at a university, they gave these students headphones to test the quality of the headphones, and they're listening to rock music, and there was a commercial in the middle of rock music about raising tuition. They just want to see if it was a persuasive commercial. So a third of the students did nothing. They just listened. A third, as they listened... They were going up and down in the yes motion because they thought they were testing the quality of the headphones. And a third were going side to side in the no motion. And it's no secret that those were going up and down the yes motion were much more persuaded than those that were neutral that did nothing. And a lot more persuaded that those went to the side to side in the no fashion. That's how powerful the yes is subconsciously. But a little yeses, get your foot in the door, get the commitments, stretch the rubber band a little bit strategically, and then offer the solution that is your product or service. That's crazy how intertwined that function is of moving your head up and down, how much that speaks to the subconscious mind. That's insane. It is. That's why we talk about it's always a combination of the logic and the motion of the conscious and subconscious. You cannot separate those in this world ever. So you've got to 
for your ironclad persuasion technique of the week, you have some good heavy metal in your office, maybe some Metallica. And when your prospect <laughs> comes in, just listen, you know, jam out with them for five minutes and, you know, they'll be head banging and they'll just say yes to whatever you want after that. Is, is that right? <laughs> Not quite. You got to get them going in the yes motion up and down. We can talk about music and association triggers. Just the music, the rate, the volume, the type of music can be very persuasive or anti-suasive as we're going to make up a word today. But you got to take into account, too, that's a whole other podcast, but it does matter. Have you noticed when you go into a restaurant and you're waiting in line to order, I notice this a lot. If it's a long line, you can tell maybe the cashier's not at the top of their game. You're getting frustrated. Oh, this is taking a long time. This is super annoying. How much more annoying and soul-crushing it is when there's no music, <laughs> right? If there's no music and it's just it's dead in there, it just seems so depressing, Right, but if you go into say a Mexican restaurant, and they got upbeat salsa music. At least they have the ambiance. You're waiting in line, but everything's happy. We got the salsa music cranked. The second you turn that music off, all you can do is hear plates clanking around in the back kitchen and people eating and talking. It's right. pretty depressing. There's a huge correlation there with any type of distraction. They could put up a video or TV or something for you to do. I mean, you got to use the Disneyland effect to where they can get you to wait one hour in a line and not even know it because of all the distractions and the things happening. And the same thing's true with business. Yeah, those Disneyland lines are very carefully crafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just keeps everybody just on the other side of insane. <laughs> That's right. It just hypnotizes them like, oh, need to buy a turkey leg. Need to go buy, buy more turkey food. Leg. <laughs> Ride the Matterhorn. I need more gifts for my children. Yeah, it they're good. He needs a $40 stuffed animal. <laughs> I need to buy a $50 t-shirt that I can get on eBay for $5. Go, yes. <laughs> they know how to extract Oh, they're good. Oh, they're good. Oh, that's yeah. a whole another ninja show right there just talking about amusement parks and Disneylands and how they extract <laughs> your money. <laughs> yep. Well, why don't we queue up the Blinja? Ooh, we haven't had one of those around. Go, Blinja. Go Blinja. So we did that because we think this is going to differ. We think it's going to differ a lot. Mm-hmm. Almost 50-50 right down the middle in our audience. You're either going to love this ninja or you're going to hate this Homer with a passion. Because that's what this person does. But we do feel like we wanted to stop and acknowledge it because we've been watching it over over the last few months. And in our continued tribute to New York, I mean, wow, I just can't look away on this Donald Trump thing. Yeah, he's making it happen. He has created a loyal following of people that in the past haven't really cared about politics. There's always the people that have been loyal, but he's been created a base that's very loyal. I mean, he could burp on stage and they would cheer. I know, yeah. (laughs) They're very loyal. He's created a following. He's done some things right to where, wow. And I know that everyone agrees with that, but he definitely has created this following. He's used the media. People want to know what he's doing. People become very passionate. They do anything for him, and it's amazing to see him take a base that was not passionate, that did not care, that usually doesn't vote in a lot of circumstances, and he's pulling from both sides, which is even more interesting that he's really doing some interesting things out there, which earns him the blinja because it is ninja stuff, but a lot of people hate him so bad that no matter what he says or does, they hate him, and it doesn't matter what we say. He's coded in Teflon. He can get up on stage and... The media can say, Mr. Trump, you said such and such in 1980, and now you're saying such and such. And he can say, 
shut up, you fired. And everybody cheers. <laughs> and and I, I just don't know any politician that can do that. He seems to be able to do things that no other politician can do. And so for that reason, we wanted to kind of take that ninja angle for him. And, you know, the, the Homer angle is, yeah, he makes some people really mad. <laughs> Says some things. Uh, he does not try to verbally package anything. Yeah, he is under the, I guess, the Tom Brady effect that we talked about earlier. There's no in the middle. There's no in the middle. It's either you love him or you hate him. And so that could be damaging in the future when you want to get people that from the hate side over. I mean, that's a lot more difficult than the neutral side or the don't care side. Mm -hmm. So the people are very polarized. And so he has offended some people in that circumstance. And maybe he doesn't care. And that's what people like about him, where people are so tired of being politically correct. And he doesn't have to be, he doesn't want to be. And people are like, no. And that's very, very refreshing to people. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people really like him. Yeah, yeah, the, the reason people like him is also the reason people hate him. So that's why he's the Blinja of the week. Be interesting to see. You're going to start getting these primaries happen. And, and what well, we've got uh, the Iowa primary coming up soon. I don't know, later this spring? I can't remember. It's, you know, every four years people remember that there's an Iowa. That's right. Like they're on top of the list. Oh, yeah, that place is that uh, it exists. They're out there. They're making corn for us. Way to go, Iowa. Thanks a lot. Well, you've offended the Iowa people, but that's good. We've, I think this is our top offensive show of the year. Yeah, yeah, we're really we're really getting after it today. So, <laughs> And then we'll offend New Hampshire after that. Well, and we can just offend all 50. We can just go through the list. <laughs> well on our way. So that's it, everybody, today. Thanks for listening to Maximize Your Influence. Send us your comments, questions, feedback. Uh, people we haven't in, uh, insulted yet or offended yet. We had somebody do that the other day. Hey, you got at this group of people. So the email address is MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. We will catch you next week on another episode. See you next week and persuade with power. 